Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're going to go for it, you've got to go for it. You can't do like this half-assed take on it. Even if it's not just for myself anymore, it's for someone at a show, that fan that wants to wrestle, that's queer, that didn't know that they could see me and then and go from there. Visage, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm having a bit of a, a slow month wrestling-wise, but do you know what? I'm fine with that. It's nice to let my body heal a little bit. And then October, November looks busy again. So, you know what, September, let's have you. <laughs> a slow month in wrestling is far better than what we had last year, which was a slow year in exactly. wrestling. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, take it with a, a pinch of salt and just enjoy the, um, enjoy the time to let your body heal, I suppose. Uh, as well as letting your body heal, you're also letting your latest tattoo heal. How's that getting on? I am. It, it's looking all right, to be fair. I, don't, I mean, it'll go. be on Instagram soon when it's all healed. Um, but to be fair, I'm all right with tattoos. They heal quite quickly, which is a blessing, really, when with wrestling. Um, so, yeah, I had it done on Monday, and it's looking pretty good so far. So once it's all healed properly, it'll be on instagram <laughs> can we can we reveal who it is i mean i mean it's, if you've seen it on the twit on twitter you'll see it's it's catwoman it but is. it's uh but it's michelle pfeiffer's catwoman lest it's we the forget. best the best, it's the catwoman. best catwoman it is i mean we've not seen um zoe kravitz as catwoman yet but i'm still going to go out on a limb that michelle pfeiffer is the best and will always be the best catwoman uh, you've got a, a whole bunch of wonderful tattoos everywhere. Um, what, can you remember the impetus for your first one? Uh, yeah, so the first one is um, the name Valerie on the back of my neck, which was my nan's name. So as soon as I turned 18, I got that um, as a memorial for her. But to be fair, I realised a couple of years ago, as I've got more and more tattoos, that they're all um, they're all influenced by like, it, like powerful women in my lives and that was never a that was never a plan never a thought but I think it's just I don't know growing up in like as a queer person um and being surrounded by strong women or being influenced by strong women I think that's just a natural thing that all my tattoos have seemed to like come from 
women that have impacted my life in certain moments so like I have a Little Mermaid half sleeve which is you know like Ursula and Ariel which is my favorite movie growing up as a kid and then Catwoman in spot like she caught that movie caught me just at like the my teenage years like I mean it was filmed before that but like I, I started watching it just in my teenage years and she kind of influenced that period of my life and then I've got Doves on my other arm which is like Paloma Faith is my favorite singer and I just she's such a strong person and influence throughout my like early university years so there's like three doves that she had like all my tattoos are women related and I it took me a little while to to realize that but then when I got my um Lita tattoo on my thigh it kind of sprung to me then I was like oh wait every tattoo that I've got has got some female influence (laughs) any other ones that you've got in mind any other powerful women you want represented well, yeah, I'm going to get, um, I was going to get Trish Stratus. I'm still going to get Trish um, in the same style as my Lita tattoo, which is like a Japanese comic book kind of style, which they are on, um, on my opposite thigh. Um, and I was going to get that done next, but then um, a longer period of time came up with my tattoo artist. So I thought Michelle might take a little bit longer. So <laughs> I got her done first. So, and also it means if you get Trish on the other thigh, on the other thigh when you sit down, they can fight exactly see or they can be best friends whichever whatever um like whichever 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 era of the of the trish lita story we're working on because it's quite a it's quite a deep story that those two told exactly and honestly that would be you know segues with podcasts that is like will happily blend into um one of the matches that I've picked. Oh, <laughs> it's like we planned it. It's like we planned it, but we didn't. But we're going to go into that. So uh, for those who are here for the first time, uh, Visage is here, metaphorically, stranded on a desert island, which I think is what we all need after 18 months being shut in our own houses. Um, and we're going to send with you a DVD or a Blu-ray, if we're feeling posh, uh, of three wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you are there. What would you like your first match to be, Visage? Well, as we you know, seamlessly transitioned um, <laughs> from Trish and Lita. I think my first match would be uh, Trish's retirement match, which was 15 years ago yesterday. Oh, God. Which, was, which would be uh, September 17th for when, you know, when people are listening to this. Um, but yeah, so 15 years ago, there, Trish's retirement match with Lita. And I just think it was, um, for me anyway, as, as a women's wrestling fan and that's what got me into wrestling and those two specifically got me into wrestling you know especially Lita I think that was such a monumental time in my life really to watch these two women like wrestle and then especially like the next month Lita retiring um it was kind of like an end of an era for one women's wrestling and two for like my love for wrestling in a sense that it went on and developed afterwards but like um yeah that match I've watched that match so many times as well as like their main event match but if I had to choose between the two like the main event match or that one although the main event match has more probably historic um weight behind it with it being like the first women's match to ever main event raw um and that gnarly suicide dive that Lita did Um, she folded up like an accordion on that it was terrifying yeah so scared. I can't. I still can't watch that bit. As soon as I know it's coming, because that guy stands up, stands up, and does the um. I don't know. He puts his hands in the air, and I'm like, okay, this is it. Close your eyes. <laughs> um. But yeah, if I had to pick between one, it would be the retirement match, just because they were given time, which was you know unusual back in that era. 
um, there was what a six year storyline story build of, of a roller coaster of their relationship and I don't know they just nothing went wrong like mm. you could tell that nothing went wrong. everything in that match went like well you could tell that they were probably like so ecstatic afterwards and like the finish was iconic with the the stress uh, faction into the roll up into the sharpshooter like and just that reaction of when she when like Trish like steps through and you know what's coming and the audience are just like there and they're already like on fire for for the next part it's just such a I don't know there's so many moments in that match that I remember and I think that's that's the that's the key to a match that you would want to watch over and over and over again if you were stranded on a desert island is you remember moments like I always remember the finish I remember the the stratosphere into like the pull-up and then fighting on top into the tumble to the outside the stratosphere from the step the steel steps just yeah it was in my mind at the time as well it was the most it was just like the perfect match and and it was and Lisa was the right opponent for Trish's final match as well that that yeah. felt like you couldn't have you couldn't have had anybody else doing that other than and dancing one more time other than those and like you say a lot of people have a lot of love for the um the match they had main eventing raw we had shazza mckenzie on this show uh, a year or so back and that was the match that she picked so it was great to see this one get a little bit of shine because uh, in, in terms of as you've said there like in ring quality it, it stands above it there's huh? there's so much more in there and there's a lot more a lot more passion to it as well can you remember because you've, you've said on a few interviews that lita was your favorite and lita was somebody that drew you in can you remember the first time that you you saw lita oh the first time i saw lita was the first wrestling match i'd ever seen it was okay. crazy um so i've said this before on, on podcasts and people probably know this already like i watched i didn't know wrestling was a real thing i just thought it was a, a video game that we played that i played with my cousins um like, I just thought, oh, this is a cool game, like, whatever. And then they were like, oh, no, it's, like, real. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean it's real? Like, that's so cool. Like, okay, cool, show me. And they'd, um, my, they, my gran used to record, um, record episodes for us, well, for them. And they had a Sunday Night Heat, um, S.A. Rios versus Gilbert, and that was not the match that's, that, rem- like, it stands out to me, but not for them, as, you know, work well done for them the boys but it was um it was Lita ringside I was like who is this like this she's sick like this redhead like tattooed like in like a real like a red two-piece like she looked so cool and I just remember like looking at her I didn't even care about the match and then she did the moonsault at the end and I was hooked and that was it that was the first ma- wrestling match I'd ever watched and it wasn't even for the wrestling it was for Lita that did like two seconds or something like it was <laughs> and then from there it was more like I'd watch SA Rios matches and she was and like to, just to see Lita and then when she transitioned into Team Extreme that's kind of where it kind of got me more into wrestling like tag team wrestling more because you know Matt and Jeff were like top tier too um but yeah and I fancied them all <laughs> I fancied all of them uh, Matt, Jeff, Lita I didn't know where was, what was happening um and then, yeah, from there, just that's kind of where my love for wrestling grew because I could follow like Lita into her like solo stuff. And then I'd watch Jeff and Matt in the tag division and they broke up. And then it was kind of like slowly drifted into finding out all the other stories on the on the show. Um, but yeah, that was my very first 
but Lita that. was the centerpiece for you, and and I get it because when Lita appeared, it was, I think for for a lot of people, she she drew a lot of eyes because she was yeah. so different to so many of the other women on the roster at that point. She just she she jumped out. She was somebody that was uh, physically very striking, and she could get in there and wrestle. And yeah. And and nobody has. Uh, we we mentioned it a minute ago with the with the dive during that main event Raw match. Um, nobody has crumple physics quite like Lita. It's quite terrifying at points, like how she'll throw herself into a move and like her entire body will just bend back and forth. I feel like every time I've watched a big match with Lita, there's been at least a bump in there where I've gone, she must be dead. She must yeah. be dead from that. But she's always fine. Like she's always in control, but it looks like she's folding into three pieces. I know it looks, it's gnarly, isn't it? And I think that's kind of what, um, as, a, as a young, you know, a, a kid watching it, it was always like, oh, like <clears throat> never in my mind, even if people told me it was, I'm going to use air quotes, fake. Mm. <laughs> um, even when people told me that, I was like, it can't be like, did you see that dive that she did? <laughs> like, did you see like how she landed or like, because if you see that in like a, you know, a TV show or an accident, like, you know, those awful, I don't remember, you'll probably remember them. Those, um, those car accident adverts <laughs> that used to like show kids like in October off the Where road. They, encouraging people to buckle up and, and to do the green cross code. They always look nasty, didn't they? Where the bodies would bend yeah. out of shape when they hit. Yeah, and I'm like, she landed like that. Or, you know, they like, he landed like that when I was watching like Jeff and stuff. I was like, that has to be real. That can't be fake. I, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> the one thing that always comes back when we when we talk about these is it, we always end up in the the moment when the when we we find out that wrestling is to use air quotes fake and uh, it it kind of goes one or two ways for people I've known in life and it's either a case of oh it's oh it's not real oh I'm not bothered anymore or and as is the case with all these interviews because otherwise we wouldn't be doing them you go oh, okay so it's it's predetermined. I want to find out how they do that. Like, I want to know more. Like, I like it's learn. It's like learning that magicians. Uh, it's like learning that magicians are, are slight a hand, and you kind of want to go. I want to know how to do that. Was that the same with you when you kind of when you learned that it was in air quotes fake? You went actually. I want to. I want to figure out how that works. Yeah, I mean, it, it just the pri um my view on it changed slightly like you were saying like it wasn't more it was more like oh cool because I've always loved like theatre and, and movies and I think everyone like everyone within the wrestling industry loves are always like big movie fanatics mm -hmm. and it's always like well okay cool so it's just like an action movie I love that I want to do that if um if wrestling hadn't come along, what do you think would have come along for you? I, I I'm not saying this would have been the direction, but I know that you were you're a county archery champion, which is an yeah. amazing <laughs> amazing thing to discover about you. Yeah, I, crazy. I mean, to, before we get into like what it would have been, like how did how did you land into archery? Um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, of course. Yeah, I like uh, Legolas. I wanted to be him. I wanted to, you know. Uh, as an adult now I'd be like oh actually I think I fancied him um but yeah I wanted to be Legolas and then like Robin Hood and all that jazz so yeah I just wanted to do I just wanted to be like fighting orcs in Middle Earth um so, <laughs> so I was like cool I'll, I'll go do archery um and it was never something like no one ever no one does that either especially like I mean I live in Nottingham now which is kind of um 
It's the home a of weird, archery. It's Robin and Hood, and it's all that, weird, isn't it? A weird full circle moment, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but back in like my hometown near Birmingham, um, not many people were doing archery, so it was kind of like a cool, different thing to do as well. That wasn't just football or rugby, um, which I was awful at. So yeah, archery. How weird. But I still love it. I mean, I took um, I had uh, Melina stay with us for a week in, two, well, in, yeah, 2019 now, it must have been. It feels so much, it, it, you know, everything feels longer than it actually was. Um, but yeah, we took her to, uh, me, Kanji and Gabriel Kidd took her to um, Sherwood Forest and there was archery there and I got to show off a little bit. <laughs> I didn't say anything, I just no sold it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. You know, this whole thing, bang, 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 three bullseyes. Oh. In, yeah. But yeah, I used to be, um, yeah, that's such a strange fact that probably no one knows about me. But yeah, archery. How, did Ma- did Melina have a go at the archery? Yeah, she was. Um, she you enjoyed say, it. You're going to say she, she was crap, weren't you? She, and you no, stopped she enjoyed, yourself. She enjoyed it. She enjoyed the experience. <laughs> she, had love, she had a lovely time. <laughs> yeah, but it was such a it was such an odd. Um, we we managed to go the one day. It was the Robin Hood experience. Like we never we didn't plan it. We just went to Sherwood Forest. Yeah. Um, and then there was like a a javelin like horseback riding contest between Robin Hood and the sh- and the I'm still, I'm still here by the way just my camera's gone off <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. um yeah there was like a, a show between Robin Hood and um the sheriff of Nottingham and Melina as the heel she always m- was meant to be um was not there for Robin Hood she was booing him <laughs> oh yeah. Playing but it all the playing the heel all the way through though. I admire way. that. I admire that. Yeah, me too. But to be fair to him, like he wasn't the best Robin Hood. Like he dropped his javelin at one point and he didn't get like bullseye, which I mean, I understand it, performance, fright and everything, and you know, it is what it is. But if you're gonna play Robin Hood, you should definitely outbeat the Sheriff of Nottingham in an archery competition. You would hope so, but then that's the that's the that's the joy of 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 stage performances, sometimes it doesn't quite go according to plan, does it? <laughs> no, and it's made it it made it a way better experience. To be fair, like, who thought like WWE Women's Champion Melina would be in Sherwood Forest booing Robin Hood? That's and that's a moment that you made happen, and that must feel really special. It is, and it was it was an a special moment as um when you like retrospectively thinking back afterwards, I was like like twelve year old me. And like eleven-year-old Kanji, we were like, "This is so cool!" <laughs> like Melina's booing Robin Hood next to us. <laughs> away from um, away from the archery, um, what was what was going to be the plan for you if wrestling hadn't come along? Um, so I always wanted to do three things when I was younger. I either wanted to be a wrestler, which seemed unrealistic because I didn't realize British wrestling was even a thing. Um, I wanted to be a real estate agent um, because I just liked houses. I just thought, oh yeah, I can. I love houses. I like the interior design. I love how they look. I'll sell. I can sell a house. Um, or I wanted to be an actor. And out of those three options, um, I picked. I didn't pick the most realistic and one that's financially stable. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> no, that's so stupid. I decided to focus on acting because it felt like the like the thing that I could do. Um, I went to drama school. I went like which 
you know in that kind of level was um like the the right step to go to a a very high-end drama school with a very low acceptance rate and do my craft and then I finished that um graduated moved home to save some money to like move to London because that's kind of what you feel like you have to do and then um House of Pain Wrestling came along and I never left <laughs> who were some of your um your your acting inspirations if you if, if you know to, to to find yourself in that part of the world who were those some of those actors that inspired you to get into that um Angelina Jolie I thought she was fantastic. I still do. Apart from her latest movie was dog awful. Um, Angelina Jolie, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Gary Oldman. Um, yeah, those three I always watch. Always watch. Stanley Tucci as well, recently. Like um, him and Colin Firth just had a movie called Supernova. And it was, oh, such a good movie. If anyone gets to watch it. It's a love story. A book. Um, one of the guys has dementia, like early onset. So it's like the last trip that they have before, you know, it all all kicks off and everything. And work like through the through uh, COVID, I ended up working in a care home, like a dementia care home. So I don't know, just watching that movie and having the experiences I've had over twenty twenty, um, it just hit different. And those, it was such a beautiful story. So if anyone you know ever gets a chance to watch it, please do. Uh, so with House of Pain then, because because at this point, as you're sort of getting into it, there is more there's there's more available for people who want to get into wrestling because so many we speak to say there was just a lack of options for people who wanted to find it. But what was it that led you to to House of Pain? Was it a geographical choice? Was it one that was nearby or was it something that was recommended to you? Uh, it was more geographical. So I moved to uh, Nottingham in 2015 so just after I finished university I went home for a little bit then moved to Nottingham to be with my partner whilst he finished his university degree um and there was just something like I was looking for theatre work and I, I just couldn't find it because Nottingham's like although it's it, we have a lot of touring theatre come through like from the West End or like whatever um there's not really much like local or there wasn't at that at that time um so I was looking for like just performance elements and then I mean I was watching wrestling still at the time, getting more into it again, because I had like a little dip between university where I wanted to be cool and wrestling wasn't cool. So I didn't watch it. <laughs> or I didn't admit to watch it, you know, at the time. That plays and a bigger then, part than people realise, isn't it? Is that when yeah, your, your peers uh, shut down the idea of something that you're into, it does really, at that age, really put you off doing it, doesn't it? Yeah, especially, like, you know, at 18, when you don't know anything and you're in a new city that, you've never like and you with people that are like not that they ever talk like said wrestling wasn't cool but like I think someone just made enough remark once of being like oh you watched that and I was like no <laughs> no no I used to yeah when I was a kid um so then I kind of stopped and you know life got busy so when I moved back to Nottingham I started re-watching um parts of it and then I ended up searching because I remember like my third year at university um the gym that I used to go on, go to, looked over Liverpool Arena, where like WWE would come and uh, perform occasionally. And I remember I'd run on a treadmill for like 15 minutes and I'd be like, if I can run 15 minutes on a, a treadmill, I can do a 15 minute match, which is so um, naive of me to think. 
<laughs> but, you, but you don't know any better and you kind of you would a lot of people would probably make that same connection and go well it's all about cardio yeah. and and if i've got that and there's a lot of people that get into it who don't have the cardio and you, yeah. if you've got the cardio that's half the battle yeah it's but yeah looking back now i'm like oh god how um how naive i was but it was a start at least it was a start of a dream i suppose um and then yeah i just started researching like local um like schools like resting schools in the uk and there was all star in liverpool but i'd obviously just moved back from liverpool um and then House of Pain came up in Nottingham. And I was like, oh, this, okay, this is, um, this is close to me r- relatively. Uh, and then I went on their Facebook page to message and they were like, cause I think their old training days used to be like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And it was uh, the Friday when I messaged to be like, I messaged uh, Sticks and I was like, um, I'm interested in coming to a show, uh, to a training class tomorrow. And he messaged back saying, oh, there's no training on tomorrow, but there's a show. Um, like 20 minutes away from where I live where you live so I was like okay cool so I went along to that to actually see what it was like and yeah afterwards I spoke to a few of the performers there the wrestlers there and they um they encouraged me to go to a, to a class and then December 2020 uh, no December 22nd 2015 was my first wrestling class and then I went every day basically Every class I went to, every class I could go to, I went to every day that the school was free, I'd go down there and practice for a good like solid six or seven months. I think I was there like four or five times a week. And then, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I fell in love and I debuted and six years later, I never meant, I never went to London, never did theatre again, (laughs) but wrestling is theatre. Yeah, you. It, it, a lot of people say so. It, it didn't become theatre. I want to before it gets too far into the into the distance. I want to pull on this thread and uh, just out of interest, which is uh, your your the other life you could have had was working in real estate. Yeah. Um, and like, and you said because it's a love of houses and love of homes. Where does that come from? I think you know. So, a very prominent game came out when I was what eight was the sims the sims yeah oh my god <laughs> i was obsessed eight-year-old me was obsessed with the sims um and i think that's kind of where the, like the passion of like building house, and none of it looked like if probably none of, none of it looked like a good <laughs> none of it was probably realistic housing um but yeah from there i'd go onto like websites and look at like house plant like house plans to build houses onto the sims and like then it kind of just became like a thing that I was interested in and then I would drive past like houses or walk past houses and be like oh that's a nice house or then when we'd go we went we used to go to America quite a lot I mean luckily we still do when we're allowed um and the architecture over there is inc- like not there's no not much history to it but like what they can build in such a short period of time because you know their resources that they use to build houses is insane um and then I remember when my parents were looking at build, um, buying over there and like looking through like what we could afford and what um, the house plans we could do over there. I think it just really started getting even more of an interest into it. And then I, I mean, I'd still love to go into real estate one day, maybe, but it's slightly harder than I thought. I thought you could just, when I was a kid, I just thought you could apply and just, that's it sell houses but weirdly quite a few wrestlers do end up doing stuff in real estate 
I know it's meant it is kind of weird like I think like Nikki Bella I remember it came back to me a couple of years ago like when on Total Divas Nikki Bella like got her real estate agency license and I was like what a random random fact never never say never that could be you could be you I mean I mean I love wrestling but it can't I'm not going to be 70 years old and taking bumps. So we've had your first match. It was Trish and Lita from 2004. What would you like the second match to be, Visage? Um, my second match probably comes from WrestleMania 21, which was the second WrestleMania I was allowed to watch live, stay up and watch. Um, first one was obviously WrestleMania 20, which still goes down as one of my favourite WrestleManias ever, actually. Mm. Um, but second match would have to be um, Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid, one of the greatest of all time against Kurt Angle. Oh, now this this was a beauty because this was at a time where like the Raw and SmackDown lines, I seem to remember, were very much divided. Like you didn't get much um, cross-pollination. So to have a, an interpromotional match felt special. But this one, like two stars of very different generations, it just... This was this is a, a hell of a match to choose. It well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. But why why this one in particular though? I think, like you said, it was very rare for like cross promotion at this point. Like because obviously it, it had been a few years like since everyone was just together, um, and it just felt special. Like you had Shawn Michaels, you know, from a generation of like before the Attitude Era, and then obviously a major part within the Attitude Era with, um, even though, you know, he wasn't there for a lot of the DX later stuff, he still, you know, created DX. So that still ran wild through the Attitude Era. And, you know, Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time in regards to wrestling. Like he is wrestling. I think when you think of Shawn Michaels, I think he just is like, he's the epitome of what wrestling and wrestlers should be I think like he's charismatic he knows how to story tell but he can do insane like insane insane matches um that always have you on the edge of like you see and you always just kind of you know believe and susp- like what's that what's the phrase uh, you suspend your disbelief that's the word that is the what I was thinking of yeah whenever Michaels is on and I think like then pit him against like legit one of the greatest of all time amateur wrestlers you know a olympic gold medalist it was just an interesting story to see how like how those two would would like interact really because i don't i mean i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong but i don't really think they had much interaction beforehand not until this story they hadn't known because like Angle had the rise of Kurt Angle had been sort of from 1999 on onwards and Shawn Michaels didn't return till 2002 uh, by which point Angle was very much uh, embedded on the Smackdown side of things so there wasn't that cross-pollination uh, between no. the two so to see it was really special I think that the build to this uh, just was a, was proof positive, if anyone ever still needed it, that Kurt Angle isn't just a great wrestler, but a brilliant entertainer as well. Do you remember much of the build to this match? Um, I do remember the build, but the, the sexy boy um, gimmick in the ring with Sherry, who, again, what an incredible character. Oh, Sherry just himself. so good. What a manager. Like I, I really, like, you get to meet quite a lot of your, like, idols and 
people that you watch when you when you're in wrestling which I think is a blessing but like oh if there was one person I could have met before is Sherry she was so cool and I feel like she'd be such a wild ride to meet in real life I don't think 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 she'd be a great on a night out Sherry would be amazing on a night out I don't think much changed from her in-ring persona to um her out-ring persona Imagine her at a, a North show or just in New York. Oh, she'd be brilliant. Oh, my God. But yeah. And, um, entering the lip sync battle would be amazing. Yeah, please. No, but yeah, that was, um, that was such a standout moment in that storyline. And then obviously, you know, the match as well was incredible with the, I mean, I think everyone remembers the moonsault spot onto the table. Like, no, thank you. And then the <laughs> finish with the ankle lock where you like, just all the transitions into the ankle lock and just Sean, like, it looks like it's going to tell me, isn't it? He almost gets out of it, like, angle carries, like, holds on and rolls through. Oh, it was perfect. perfect it was, and, and for Sean to tap out to him in the end as well is a great... It gave us one of my favourite little Kurt Angle nuances that I don't think it's talked about enough, which is how he, trans, how he had the ankle lock as a finish. And then in 03, he started adding a grapevine to it. So like mm-hmm. he'd have the ankle lock on, that'd be one thing. But then the moment the grapevine went on, that was that was it. Nobody escaped it. Like there was always a tap out. The only occasion where there wasn't, I think it was the Iron Man match he had against Brock Lesnar, where literally the time ran out before Brock could tap out. But yeah. that little transition from the ankle lock into the grapevine always was like a, an addition that felt extra special. And Michaels to hang on in there for as long as it did and then tap out just adds that legitimacy to it as well. Just a yeah. beautiful match. I think that's like the, I think, I don't know, when you when you are a wrestler for so long, I suppose, on that like level, when you're constantly being viewed by like the public and, you know, you're in these high, high stake matches and high profile matches, you kind of have to, eventually you have to change the finish. You're mm. like, because you can only kick out of a, a move so many times before it's not put out, like before people just don't believe it, you know, like, but for Angle to be smart and be like, right, we'll keep the ankle up because that is what people know me for. Like, you know, that is the finish. And it has always been my finish. Mm. Um, people have seen like, you know, the reversals or people have seen people get to the ropes or whatever. So then to add on like, okay, we'll keep what is the fundamental basic of the finishing move, but to add like this slight variation it just it just takes you to another like it just takes that move to another level because then you don't know like yes and it also then surprises you if people do just tap out to the regular ankle lock you know like because you don't expect it so when people do tap out you're like oh okay that's still a legit finish like that's still a cool finish and then it just adds it builds that person if they don't tap out to the regular one for him to then have to hit like hook the grapevine in as well it just elevates both of you so i don't know it's something to be said that whilst we remember like the great in-ring stuff, I think a lot of the character stuff that guys like Shawn Michaels and Angle does is as important as the wrestling, if not more so in some cases. Exactly. And I think like, I think Angle was one of those people like, you didn't know. I mean, you obviously knew he was going to be a fantastic wrestler in the sense of amateur when he first started, but you didn't know if he was going to be an incredible professional wrestler. You didn't know if he was going to ha- like have what it takes to be a character. Like, no disrespecting, because I think he became incredible after, like, years later. But, like, Mark Henry, yeah, he was legit the world's strongest man. But then he, he didn't transition into wrestling as quickly as no. many 
because like yeah he got he got he got wrestling eventually you know he became a good wrestler but like I think he had a character really for ages that people could get behind until I personally until like the hall of pain character gimmick that he had I don't think like I think Mark Henry was just Mark Henry I think he just was like okay like yeah world's strongest man that's a cool gimmick to have like because it's legit but you know it took him a bit longer and then when he got the Hall of Pain thing, oh yeah, he was sick and like, oh my God, you wanted to watch him. But I think Angle was just one of those like, I don't know, he just seemed to get a character straight away. And maybe it's just because it was a bit a bit of him. Like it was him <laughs> just turned it to a hundred maybe like, and people just genuinely didn't like him being like this Olympic gold medalist, a bit cocky. But I think that's what makes him one of the greatest of all times as well. Like to just to watch them I don't know, like, pro- I can't really say prime because they had some incredible stuff afterwards, but I think WrestleMania 21 that year, whatever year it was, I can't even remember, but, like, I think both of them were in, like, this really, like, high level of performance. And a, a young uh, a young Visage is learning this uh, under the learning tree of sticks at House of Pain Wrestling. Um, from that first day training with sticks, what is something that stays with you from that first day? Um, that 15 minutes on a cardio machine doesn't cut it. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. that's it. You're, you're, you're going back to yourself, looking over <laughs> the Liverpool Echo, going, oh, I've got good cardio. This is fine. Yeah, no, that's not. No, that really isn't it. It was more um, the first one. I'm trying to think, really. It's. I think just how much really goes into a wrestling match and just wrestling in general, like you don't, as an outsider, and maybe not maybe not now, I think wrestling's become a bit more open to, to the audience. And, but like learning about like sequences and, oh, okay, this is called an international and, you know, and if someone says an international to you in your head in a match, like you know the next three or four like bits of a match, and like that was always such a a weird thing to see. Because then when you'd go back, when I then you know the next day when I'd go and watch Raw or something on Monday, and you'd see an international, I'd be like, oh my god, that's an international! I know what that is now. I know that. I got I got taught that on Saturday. To go be- behind the actor's studio a little bit on this one, because I'm intrigued by this, because I, I I've I've been around enough wrestlers, but I've never heard the term an international. Mm. Um, are you able to share that, or is that are you going to keep that as a little secret? Do you know what? I don't actually even remember the origin of the name of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sticks would have told me, but I think it's kind of like anything, you know, when you like when you first learn and a new skill or you start a new job and you get so much information and at, like for the first couple of years you remember everything and you're like it's because of this and it's this this and this and then the more that you do it or the more that you're the longer you're in a job it just becomes such second nature to you that you're like afterwards you're like oh actually I, I can't really remember why we do that this way but it's just it's just done this way like oh like remember when we first when I first started like oh you know a lot of wrestling you work the left hand side so it's like the less left arm for like when you're wrestling around but then in Mexico it's all the right hand side and then that slow transition of like of where wrestling is now where so many like hybrids of wrestling especially that peak period in British wrestling between what 
2016, 2019 of when it was like British wrestling was really, really like broken through in this like roller coaster of how wrestling always goes up and down. And the amount of like people that would come from America or the Australian influx or people coming from Mexico to wrestle and bringing all their different styles nowadays you are backstage being like okay so what what which arm do you throw that with (laughs) (laughs) you know when I first started training oh like okay I'll throw a clothesline okay cool so you knew it was coming from the left hand side but then I remember like the very first time someone threw a clothesline and it came from the right and I was like Oh, what? Oh, my, what? What was that? It seems something so simple, but because you're, you're kind of hardwired to think of things in a certain way, that it immediately, it's a bit like, it's a bit like trying to write your name backwards in the mirror, I would presume. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, you can see it, but your hands aren't quite cooperating. Yeah. <laughs> you're so wired to think of it in a certain way, but I guess that's the, 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 the blessing of having so many influences globally of wrestling now and for yourself who has discovered so many more influences that you you think a bit more fluid like it could yeah. come from the left it could come from the right we'll just, we'll yeah, just it makes, see how we go I think it just makes you more um I don't know I think it makes you a, a, a better wrestler when you're because you're more like okay just relax you're not putting yourself into position and that's the thing when it, you know when you just work the left sometimes or when you expect everything from the left you put yourself into a position where it's like, I don't know, sometimes it just looks manufactured a bit too much sometimes, mm. in my opinion. Whereas when you don't know, not that you don't know where it's coming from, because you probably do when you've spoke about it beforehand. But when things are different, like from different sides, it makes the wrestling look more real. At the end of the day, we're, we're making a fight look real. Does mm. that make sense? Like, it's supposed to look like we're really having a scrap. And I've never been in a fight outside where I've just thrown less. <laughs> you, fla- you flail, you scratch, you claw, you kick, you punch, you do whatever. And yeah, it exactly. makes sense. So, but yeah, it's, it was definitely, um, that was the stuff that I remember from the first, that first class is just like the, the terminology, I suppose. And like the stuff that you get, you get taught when you, you very first begin and I bet it's still the same nowadays I bet like when you first start training it's like oh well you know you work the left but then you don't really work the left some people might throw like it must be I don't know I wish I wish I could go back just maybe one day and just have no knowledge and just go to a class and just see what it was like but um there's so many schools now though like you're it's kind of a you can what drive a couple of miles from each city and there's like probably three or four schools so there's so much information out there nowadays uh, we didn't meet visage straight away did we we didn't well we, yeah the name was there but it wasn't the cat it wasn't the uh it wasn't the visage that we know no it really wasn't it so really, really what was your so when when the first conversation comes with like okay right you've got the wrestling down pat you need you need a persona you need a character you need a gimmick where did you go what was the what was the first incarnation so that was always, I actually remember the very first time like the stars <laughs> was born in a training class. I remember like there's, um, there was a guy, there is a guy called Steve Cummings. He's a wrestler in Nottingham and he referees now. I think he's transitioning more into the referee side, which I always think referees that were wrestlers are so good anyway, because they know like the psychology wise of it and they know what, they know what things are supposed to look like. So, you know, they, they have a bit more of an understanding. Um, but I remember training with him. 
and he was like yeah your wrestling's good like you know you look solid you look solid you look like it all flows but there's just you need something just give it you need a character and you just need to like let go a little bit and I was like okay cool right next run through I'll I'll put a character in and there was a character there was a character going back to when I was at drama school in my improv classes so like there'd always be a character that I kind of fell into like it was more of like a a snobby kind of high society supermodel gimmick really that this 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 victor character as the name was in um in improv 101 um i just thought okay i'll do that i'll see what that works i'll see if that works in in wrestling and i did it and i remember the reaction of being like of people like my peers watching at wrestling they were like oh that was so good that was so much fun like carry on with that just keep going and see where it goes um do a promo okay okay I did it and then I was like okay this works like it got a reaction I could do this um so it went from there like this character that I'd created in an improv class kind of blurred into what Versace was originally um the supermodel of the world as as I was known um and then Versage the name came from um obviously Michelle Versage from Drag Race was that was just I maybe not just starting but it was just getting like mainstream popularity um and then Versage obviously also in French means face and it kind of worked with like the supermodel gimmick and then I was like the face of the new face of British wrestling could work as like a as a moniker or a, a tagline for a promo or something so that's kind of where the name came from and yeah I spent maybe like the first year year and a half doing the supermodel of the world gimmick um and then that slowly transitioned to this <laughs> beast of a drag <laughs> gimmick that it is now hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Priscilla, the Queen of the Ring, is a, is a big influence on, yeah. on that as well. Can you remember where you were when you saw what Priscilla was doing for the first time? Um, well, I mean, I'd seen 
Priscilla over Twitter um, and early Instagram. Um, again, because we lived in a time when Instagram was new. Scary. Mm. Um, so I remember seeing them through that. And then we actually got a, um, a book in together um, at 4GW where they just randomly teamed us together because, you know, gay. Um, so <laughs> we just got teams. I don't think that was the actual like logic between it, but I think it it kind of was. In they saw they just sense. saw two characters that that were of a similar uh, a similar style, a similar standing, and just and went okay, they'll team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and we were against the Lion Kings, um, and I remember seeing like what Priscilla went through backstage. I think like getting ready and you know doing their makeup and well so and at that point I was kind of like umming and ahhing about whether to do this drag gimmick because I'd always wanted to do drag and I always but then I loved wrestling and I knew I physically could not do both because I would die just from the time periods of like wrestling straight into drag to get it home at four to then go to an actual shoot job no thanks um so I wanted to I kind of wanted to implement the drag into into the wrestling um and I saw Priscilla do it and I was like, oh, I could do, I think I could do this. But then there's also like, you don't want to step on their like, because they'd done it for a little while. You don't want to step on their gimmick. And, but I mean, you can do the same gimmick, but do it so differently. And I remember having that conversation with um, Gabe and Joe Connors. I was just having that conversation and being like, you can do it, just do it different. Like Priscilla's very like comedic and very like camp. And, you know, they wrestle when they need to, but like a lot, you know, a lot of their stuff was like very character driven. Not that mine isn't, but like it, it's just different, I suppose. Um, so I thought, okay, sick, let's try it. And then, yeah, it kind of went a bit, um, a bit crazy. <laughs> what was the first reaction to, um, to, to your first journey into uh, wrestling as, as the, the, the queen we know now, now as Visage? Like what was the first reaction to that? Uh, well, I did it at a, the first time I, I did it, it was still, it was very like, not really, like it was like one, one toe into the water kind of drag, you know what I mean? Like it was like a bit of lipstick and a bit of glitter on the, on the, on the eye and maybe a bit of concealer. It wasn't very much, um, but that was at House of Paint. Cause I was like, if I want to do this, I want to try it at like one, and this is no disrespect to this, to House of Paint, a training school on a training show. I don't want to do it on the on an, a big independent show. Like at the time, like Southside was probably like the biggest the biggest shows that I was doing. I didn't want to do it on a Southside because if it didn't work, then I've just done it on an independent show where it has more weight to it. Mm. Do you know? Like, does that make sense? So I was like, if I do it at a training page, a, a training show where like I know the audience and the audience, feel, I feel comfortable with the audience and the audience feel comfortable with me. I can see how it how it gets over. So I did it there and they look and it got a good reaction. Um, but I was just told like, just do just do more though. Like, if you're gonna go for it, you've got to go for it. You can't do like this half-assed take on it. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, fine. That's I'll do it next time. And then, you know, I watched a lot, and I mean hours, hours of uh, of makeup tutorials and drag tutorials. And then I remember I brought all the stuff that I needed and I put it on with as much confidence as I could, thinking I'd look sick. <laughs> and then I didn't. I, I mean, it looked, I probably looked good for the time, you know, the experience level of makeup that I'd 
I did at the time. Um, again, at another house pain show. And then at TNT, um, Ignition, when that first started, you know, like they're like, it's not like, a, it's like, I suppose in levels of wrestling, it'd be like their NXT, you know, Ignition's like their NXT, where it's like new talent that they want to get onto the extreme shows, but here's like a taste of what they can do. So I remember doing like the very first drag elements of massage there and it went well, like, and again, like Liverpool was a city that I used to live in and it's a city that I am very comfortable in. And I love being there. Um, and I know it's an accepting city. So again, I, I did it there for like, firstly on the independence because I was like, I'm comfortable there. I know mm -hmm. where I, I'm comfortable walking around in Liverpool in a full face of makeup because Again, I've lived there. For, I lived there for four years, um, and that went over really well. And slowly but surely, it kind of just became the gimmick. Um, and then I suppose Defiant came around, and I, I, I did the gimmick there, Defiant. And then I had no other choice but to carry it on because that's when I started getting booked as the drag queen wrestler. Um, and luckily, you know, through sticking with it and through all the experience and the time of putting it in it's gotten so much better just like aesthetically mm. <laughs> I'm so like I look snatched especially at the beginning of <laughs> at the beginning of a match anyway not towards the end but then um, there's a special aesthetic at the end of a match where and and, and this is you know on a, to get into the, the character this is why it's uh, it, it's worked so beautifully for you because you're so bloody good the when at the end of a match like the, the makeup smudged and you just look like you've been in a fucking fight and that in itself is a really special aesthetic at the end of it yeah of course you're gonna look like you've been dragged through a, a hedge because you've been fighting and that's yeah. the whole point and it's there's something special with like visage post-match with the makeup smudged and 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 just the wild stare like that's that's part of the joy of it is that you know you you come dressed to impress and then it's like right off we off we fucking go we're gonna go for it um you've talked a lot about when you were trying the character and you you emphasize like places where people knew you where they would accept that because historically you know we've talked about vhs tapes in this very interview so we're of a certain vintage and uh there is a historical element to uh, effeminate male wrestlers whereby it's immediately a heel. You know, we look at Adrian Adonis and we look at people like Goldust and characters like that where you're almost immediately going, right, you have effeminate qualities, therefore you are the bad guy here. And what I've noticed from, you know, the, the times have changed so much that, you know, I've worked on shows with yourself and it's just roaring ovations. Uh, yeah. and, and nothing but love and energy. And has, has that been the case all the way through for yourself? Um, it's interesting, actually, because, like, when I first started training, it was never really a question of whether I was going to be face or heel. I just assumed I would be heel because of that, I suppose. Because the character was more... I mean, the character in itself, again, was a cocky supermodel, I'm better than you character anyway. But, it, again, it was very, infem very feminine and you know looking at the history of wrestling like you just said with like gold like gold dust and everyone and it's they were heel get characters so I just assumed that I would be a I would just be a heel because I suppose again it's kind of at the time easy heat like as well mm. of being like a very openly queer character um and then yeah people just start this was that house of pain you know like 
because I was there for a while before I did anything else. Um, but then slowly, because of the character and because people started getting to know the character and they would enjoy watching me get beaten up, that they just started to turn and like like me, I suppose. And like, also, you know, after a match or after a show, when they saw me in the car park and everything, I just can't be nasty to people. <laughs> like, I was just, you know, very... And I mean, I suppose that might turn other wrestlers into a different way, you know, live the gimmick solidly. Um, but then people just started cheering for the Visage character at House of Pain. And then, so they had, like, Sticks had no choice but to be like, right, let's go, let's turn face and see what it's like. And I remember that first match I had as a face. Oh my God, it was awful because I just thought, right, okay, I'm a face now. I need to be the stereotypical face of like, come on, and I'm really good. And like, I'm not that like, and it just, no one, it wasn't authentic, I suppose. And I remember Sticks pulling me aside afterwards and being like, what did you do? Like you weren't, you weren't even bizarre. You weren't even like the visage that people liked as like a bad guy. Like there was no elements of that, that he was like, be authentic, be you, just do like, be the person that you are and people will like it. So I was like, oh, okay, sick. And then that's when, it, and then I did. And, you know, people just started liking that character, like liking me, not even the character of just liking me as a person. And like, and that, you know, it was kind of like they, they were going for the openly queerness of it and the, the, you know, I use again, air quotes, strangeness of it all, especially in a very like male dominated straight um, industry. And then again, like nowadays, more like, you know, how the society's changed and, you know, more queer performers are out there. And that's, I think that's the big thing. And I've said this before, like queer wrestling now is more accepted because it's being done by queer performers. There's an authenticity to it. It's the same for anything. No one likes things that aren't authentic. So when you get given authentic characters by authentic people, that's when it's that's when it's over. Like, and I, it's not a shock to I suppose it's not a shock to people that are in the queer bubble because it's like, well, yeah, it's authentic. So we're telling stories that are authentic to us. We're not, you know, cis white men pretending to be part of the queer community. Because, you know, it, it, that will take you so far, I suppose. Like, but there's not going to be a realness behind these the stories to him, you know? Like, it's, I don't know. It's, I think the more authentic something is, the more people go for it. I mean, and I think that's why at North, I mean, I, I've only been there a couple of times. And, you know, in the future, hopefully it looks like there's going to be more times. But Newcastle, especially, and we define it as well, and just that Newcastle area, like, I think authenticity, and that's the beauty of North, I think, everything's authentic and the audience know that. So me doing a lip sync battle, as silly as that might sound and as stupid as a gimmick as that is in a wrestling show, it's not really because it's, a, it's authentically me, you know? Mm. So, and that's what gets, I think that's what got me, has gotten me over with an audience. And that's what got me over at Defiant as well. Like, I remember our first match, my very first match at Defiant was a six-man tag against the Anti-Fun Police with me, Doreese, and Mickey the Dragon, I think his name is. And um, 
we were given, I think, six minutes to do a whole match with three debuts. Like, we were all debuting on our, on my side. And, you know, watching the planning process of, like, a Mickey and Doris being like, I'll do this move, I'll do this move, we'll do this cool, like, backflip transition into an arm drag, into a drop kick, into a springboard 360 moonsault extravaganza. And I was like, <laughs> bloody hell. I was like, cool, you guys do that. Damien, I'm going to um, do an international. I'm going to land with my arse. You're going to run into my arse. I'm going to shake it a little bit. And then you're going to throw a punch. I'm going to duck under. I'm going to snatch a wig off. I'm going to give you a forearm. And that's it. That's all it had to be. And then I did it. I got him. Damien ran at me. I did a sleep. I did a leap. I landed. I bent over. Shook my ass while he ran into me. Like, you know, that got a massive reaction. He threw the punch. I ducked. Ripped the wig off. Bam. Hit him. He bumped. Rolled out the ring. And there was a reaction. And then I tagged out. Someone else got in and did a freaking 10-minute running spot. But, you know, after that, it was the promoter pulled me aside and was like, here you go, here's the rest of the dates for the rest of the year. Amazing. Okay, cool. Like, because it, it was just a reaction that the audience gave. Like, it was never, especially, I think, looking back at the Defiance stuff, like, towards the end, it was more like, okay, I wrestled a lot more towards the end, and I was given more time. But at the beginning, I was given, like, three minutes. At one point, no, and no joke, it was... I drove all the way to Newcastle, which is a three and a half hour drive for me from where I am now. And I remember we were 19th on a card of 20 because <laughs> it was a long, it was a tape, you know, they taped. They were long um, tapings, the defiant tape. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I think when we got there, me and Damien were given six minutes. And then by the time we got out there because of, you know, time, people's timings, we were given, I think it got cut down to two all in. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, shit. But again, realistically, looking back, we didn't really need that much time because it was just character work for me. Because it was quite early on in when I first started, you know, it was oh, at Defiance. So I was still trying to get the character over. So character work, a cut off, a heat and a finish. That's all we really needed. And it still got a reaction from an audience. And, you know, that's when I'd get like comments on, on the YouTube pages or on Instagram and Twitter and defiance tag stuff of being like bring the massage back so realistically looking back like that's kind of what got me over but again it was the authenticity of doing that character instead of worrying about like oh shit i need to do my 450 lucha moonsault spot like no i don't i need to just rip my wig off and shake that's my right. ass to the camera <laughs> we, we live in we live in such a time now where like we we're looking at social media so much and like and instagram and facebook and all we see is is people showing off that they're having the best life and we're des we're just we're hungry for 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 real we're hungry for real experiences and real things and so much of what is meant to be like people's real lives is so um, is so planned and orchestrated. So yeah. for you to come along and and be you, yourself turned up to a hundred, but but be very authentically you. Like that's all people are wanting now. They just want something real. Yeah. And you know, it's uh, you're uh, it's almost quoted from the Greatest Showman. Then it's like people, you know, the the smiles on people's faces are real, and what you're doing is real. And, yeah. and that's the big thing. I mean, yeah, I think I, I, I mean, I think I struggled towards like 
in 29 like 2018 2019 when like I was getting put on more independent shows and like and watching the talent around me have these insane matches of, of you know like their structures were so like insane and like there would be so many near falls and like the reactions were insane like amazing like and then there were parts there were times where I was like oh, I need to start wrestling like that I need to start having like 25 minute matches where like there's 800 near falls and there's like a big spot from the top rope of us both doing a freaking like Spanish fly off the top and but I'm not I'm really I'm not that kind of wrestler and that's the kind of that's where it's like got I mean like the realization of you know 2020 of having that time off and coming back and training properly like training again and getting back into the mindset of you know what I want to do and where I want to go and and when I was looking back I was like what got me what got me over was the character and it's it's okay to have sim like a simpler structured match of it being like and not that many full season not many like and it just being more in you know quotations and maybe some people like looking down at it more simple because there's already going to be a match where there's going to be 600 near falls and a top rope spot and it's going to go 25 minute 25 minutes it doesn't need to be that I don't have to go out next and do the same you know I can go out and do a 30 minute um segment in total where 15 minutes of that is a lip sync 10 minutes of that is a you know a simple again no air quotes structure of a match where we tell a story about working a, a damaged leg and then five minutes after it is you know just sitting in the ring with the audience like sitting in that moment and sitting in that story of what we've just told and being engaged in maybe the development of a storyline progression against like me and you know, H.T. Drake, at, I'm just like talking about North, like that's, that means more sometimes, you know? And it's, but I want to mention that because um, I was there that night and I, you know what, and, and I feel bad because I wasn't the full ticket that night. I was, I was a bit down on myself last on that night. I didn't really talk to many people, mm. um, but um, I'm glad you mentioned that because you were talking then about, I'm just not that kind of wrestler that just goes out and has these blowaway matches with false finishes. I think you had all of that at North. Oh, Somebody you. that watched behind the scenes, I think you two had the match of the night. Oh, and, no. and it wasn't, and, it, and I hear what you're saying, that you're, you know, you, 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 you know, I'll do the character thing, and I'll do a 10 minute, very basic match. Now nah, you guys went for it. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I remember watching and thinking, fuck, fair fuck, you're going for it. And, oh. and it was great to see. And it's one of those matches that is, is a deep joy to watch again. Because I, I think it was probably the you've done you've done so many so I can't say I've seen you, all your back catalogue but certainly one of the best matches I've seen you have live and and oh, and that was and Howard's a great guy to be in there to dance with without a doubt but yeah. it takes two to do a nice dance so <laughs> yeah. you, and, and it was solid and do you think that because I just I just think that you underplay that a little bit and I think that it's I wanted to to jump in and say you've. Oh, fucking better in the ring than you're probably giving yourself credit for. Thank you. I mean, it has been really like this, you know, coming back 2020, uh, 2021, I suppose we are now. I think 2020 is such burnt in my mind of those, that, that, yeah. those numbers. Um, I have, you know, worked really hard on like, I'm like just physically worked really hard to change my body and 
mentally as well changing like my mindset of how to of wrestling and uh, this you know I mean it's been very short we've been back what since maybe July I think my ma- my first match back was but like I do feel way more like oh I I you know I can do this more than I was when we before the break you know 2019 I I was so like down on myself about wrestling because again I wasn't doing those kind of matches where it was you know like a CCK match versus the Aussies incredible to watch but I can't do that but sometimes when you're in that industry you feel like you need to be able to do that because that's what's getting the reaction and that's what they're getting booked for but I think just sitting in that realization of Queen Becca being like okay I don't want to do that I don't want to now do those kind of matches I'm really cool telling just telling a story and yeah obviously you know like you said we're downplaying and I appreciate the comments of like I can still wrestle and I still want to put on a match and I want that like escalation and you know watching this the match back with Howard the audience were there and it was you know there was a moment when I hit like a double spring spear and the or the reaction that got with the kick out I was like watching it back I was like oh my god this is insane but like it's okay. I'm very positive of how everything's going at the moment. And I think by realizing in myself of how the matches that I want is more like they're still good and they still have a good structure to them. But I, maybe they are counting more simpler within the industry, within other workers. But that's fine because I know that like they're probably never going to go really wrong. There's never going to be a really missed out spot or like mm. where we're going to beat ourselves up afterwards or like because again, that's what I used to do in like, you know back end of 2019 I would try and overcomplicate everything and then it wouldn't something would go wrong and then I'd beat myself up and then I'd hate it and then I would hate start hating wrestling I'm like wrestling's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be a job that I it's a job that I love and it's something that I want to do forever so it's like why am I making it that I hate it you know like so I am more I say simpler but again like you said it might, might be more downplay but like I'm okay with simple yeah, but you're proving in matches like that, that that you can do more when you need to do more. And what's yeah. amazing is, and I'm not just blowing smoke because I've, I've said this when you're not here, so I know I'm not. Um, <laughs> like you stand on the precipice because there's so many of, there's so many wrestlers that have, as you say, you know, the ability to go out there and have those CCK style matches, those long matches, and they can do that, but you you watch them and they they haven't found their voice yet. So like, and sometimes that bit is harder to, to, to put together than a match is to have that authentic character about you. And you stand on the precipice of being able to, to not only have that authenticity and have that character and that persona and that voice and that, and have found sort of your, your, your sound. And then you can put on exceptional matches as well. Like that's, that's, un, that's unbeatable and undeniable. Like and it's it's so much it's so much trickier to to be the other way around. I believe from what mm. I've seen to be a great wrestler and then go okay and now you need to to put some meat on the bone here other than just I am a great wrestler. You've already yeah. done the hard bit. I I and I'm not a wrestler, so I'm I'm you know my my opinion is is worth very little compared to some. But from from somebody that consumes it, you've done the hard bit. Like you've got a character and you've got a, a you've. You've, you've got a, a rhythm that people are in love with, whether you do a five minute, a 10 minute, a two minute, a 15 minute or whatever. And to, to be at a point where you can put on these phenomenal matches, that's, that's exciting. It's, it's exciting to be on the precipice. Of- yeah, and I think that's why like, when you look at wrestlers like, um, I don't know, like Becky Lynch, I suppose, like with the, 
she had this you could tell like the audience liked her because she was authentic and she was like she was there was something there that people just really liked and really wanted to get behind so then and then and everyone knew that she was a good wrestler but she was just never given the opportunities because there were people that were coming like that were just getting booked more over her or booked in more like storylines so it's kind of like when she finally got the chance she had the like you said she already had the character she yeah. already knew what she was it was just given that opportunity to like to go with it after the so races. not not saying i am the becky lynch of uh the uk wrestling scene but um because she is sod it. say it uh, right. no, well, she's, she's from the uk so we can't you know what i mean <laughs> oh no she's from ireland actually so it's fine it's, it doesn't count <laughs> it doesn't count um but but before we get to your your third and final match um i like to spring this on people uh it's nothing bad i promise um where as well as taking three wrestling matches you're also allowed to take with you a movie an album and a luxury item Oh, okay. Mm. So when I say to a visage, uh, a movie, what movie would spring to mind that one you'd want to take with you? Oh, no. Movies are the harder one because I've got so many favourites. Do you want to double back and we'll do movies in a minute then? We'll let you ponder yeah, that we'll for a movie, little bit. We'll do movies in a minute. How about an um, album then? Album? I would probably take um, Fall to Grace, Paloma Faith. That album is um probably one of my favorite albums of all time every song on there like was was a story in of itself because she's such a good storytelling writer like she all of her songs have a story and like the album has a story as well like and I like that kind of that album where like you are taken on like a journey between like from because it's like about a breakup so it's like you know the first song is about like her getting with a new with a new guy where he's obsessed with like his ex-girlfriend and she's like well do you see me like you see her and then it's like following that pattern of this relationship from that moment building to like them eventually breaking up like so that's the album and I think that album plays such a I don't know such a key moment in my life as well because it was the album that was throughout my university years and it was an album that was like I don't know described my relationship at the time as well and I don't know it was yeah, she's such an incredible artist. I think she's probably the person that I've seen the most live as well. So it has to be, yeah, Fall to Grace by Paloma Faith. Uh, a luxury item. What would your luxury item be? So this can be uh, something with some um, with some symbolic value to you, something sentimental value to you. It can be a bit of tech. Uh, it could be a gadget that you want to use while you're on the island, uh, something you can't be without. I don't know whether to be like more practical <laughs> you, you can you can be practical if you choose to be somehow well, firstly let's get this classic on this desert heart island mm -hmm. do i have a place to sleep um yeah i mean i mean we haven't got you a bed per se but we but a few people have taken beds uh <laughs> i know, know that, i know that ross from our place has taken a bed so you can always get in with him and it sounds, <laughs> it sounds silly but I've had this, not, I've not had this since I've, I was a kid, but I've had this, like, I have to have this with me. So I can't go to sleep without, like, a second pillow. Like, as in, like, I'll have two pillows to, like, lie on, but I have to have, like, a pillow. I suppose, like, when you're a kid, it must have been, like, my mum and dad must have used to do it to, like, stop me falling out of the bed or something, like, oh, uh, like okay. a buffer, you know what I mean? But then I've never not had that now like so is it a pillow on the side of the bed the, that you'd 
fall out yeah. of? Is it one that would no, you... so, yeah, it's like so. I mean, me and my partner obviously share like we share a bed. So there's like his one side, so you know. But then I have a pillow like that I not hug. It's just like the next to me. I, I don't know. I suppose it's like a security blanket, really. It's not, it's not quite a body pillow, but it's kind of a. No, it's just like a normal pillow that you can like put your head on. But like, yeah, it's just. I think it must be a security thing now, like a from being younger. Because I've always, yeah. I've always had like a. I don't know. It must be. It's like a comfort thing. So I feel yeah. like it would be that because if I was stuck on a desert island and wasn't able to sleep, I would go crazy. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So you can take, yeah, that second pillow is a nice choice. That yeah, a particular my... second, is it a particular shape or is it just a regular pillow? Just a regular pillow. That's yeah. what I always thought like when we, you know, I mean, I don't watch it very, anymore because like ethically, I don't think it's right. But um, like ha- uh, I'm a celebrity mm-hmm. when I watch that. Um, when they used to luxury, luxury items, I'd always be like, I'd have to take my pillow. I yeah. couldn't sleep in a jungle and on a hammock for one and not have a pit like I'd be if I didn't get sleep I'd be such a raving like lunatic you need your sleep right I do I need it <laughs> and how about a movie then let's we, we're not going to let you go on this you've got to pick oh, a movie right I'm trying to think of a movie that I part of me wants to say oh, I don't know I'm trying to look at I've got other movies that I watch constantly so what movies are you currently looking at to uh, t- to your to your right? So Catching Fire, The Hunger Games. I think that's a great movie. It's like the best movie book adaptation, I think. Like, because I always like when I read books and you watch the movie. I think this is a common thing. Everyone's like, oh, it's it's not as good as the book, mm. but I do think Catching Fire is just as good as the book. I think like they get all the the right moments in, you know. And there's nothing in the book that you feel like has been left out of the movie that's important. So that. Um, the Little Mermaid, because it was my favourite movie growing up as a kid. Um, Batman Returns, again, just, you know, the Catwoman tattoo is because it is one of the movies that I watch constantly. And then also Mamma Mia. I don't know what it is. It's Pierce Brosnan singing ABBA, isn't it? That's that yeah. always... That gets me right know, there, that does. That when ABBA were making their announcement, I thought it was going to be that Pierce Brosnan was joining. Jordan, I'm yeah, yeah. sad that He's wasn't the case. Sing all of it. Um, what do you make of the new ABBA stuff, by the way? I'm always intrigued. Are you an I ABBA fan? Yeah. I love ABBA. I love ABBA. I don't know. I love the Cher covers of ABBA, the album, Cher's album, yeah, ABBA, all of it. True. But then, uh, you, know, you know what? I have got a movie that I will take. Go and on. it's none of those movies that I mentioned, but it's a movie that I loved as a kid and I watched it recently. Um, and it's just so camp, but I love it. It's Tomb Raider. Like Lara Croft, the Angelina Jolie original Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Nice. Not the Tomb Raider. I mean, this the new Tomb Raider recently was very good. Like it was very. I don't know if you play the actual Tomb Raider game. Yeah. But it was very like modeled off that, wasn't it? And it, I love the game and I love that movie. But the original Lara Croft Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie, when she's on the silks in the house and she's running up the wall, oh, and she, you know, when she's like, I just found my car keys, and she does all the, oh, what a movie. Do you want to take Tomb Raider? Take Tomb yeah, Raider. I will yes. take, yeah. I'll take Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Angelina Jolie in those, like, fighting that um, robot at the very beginning. Extra points in that one to uh, Chris Barry, a.k.a. Arnold Rimmer from Red Dwarf, popping up as the butler. I'm like, that's yeah. amazing! It's Rimmer it's from Red a, Dwarf! It's, it's such a good movie. It's, I mean, it's not a good movie. It's know, a good crap movie. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> and really it plays is. on the fact that it's a vid- it knows it's a video game. Adaptation yeah. and I and like that's what, 
I think I, that's why I think I liked it because it lent so heavily into it of it being like none of this is realistic mm. but who cares like this is why it's funny and that's why like the second one as well I remember watching it um I was watching it with my partner and we were a little bit turned just a little bit um <laughs> and we watched it and there's a scene where she's hiding from someone in like an office building but it's all made out of glass right. I was like what on earth like, why you you'll clearly see her yeah what are you like how I mean she's hiding behind a table that's been flipped upside down but then I'm like but every wall is glass <laughs> like you can only not see you from like the one side but if like the bad guys just walked around the corner just a little bit they'd be like oh she's here like but yeah I remember that as well <laughs> yeah. okay we're taking two Raider we can't not yeah. take two Raider now no. you've Great sold it baby. Um, you, you put out a tweet that I want to mention before we get to your third and final match. You have punted out, and I want to back this cause. You punted out to be a part of Effie's Big Gay Brunch in 2022. And I, I couldn't imagine. I, I, I'm annoyed that it hasn't happened already. I blame the pandemic. I know. Yeah, it really was the pandemic. But like, I mean, there was no solid plans for me to go out and do um, the early, like the 2021s uh, before everything. But we, like me and Effie, like, there was always that kind of um there's just that deal that like said deal of being like as soon as I can I will do one you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like it and it's the same with Effie like he knows that as soon as I can I'll be there to do one and I know that I'll be on like it's not it's never been like fully confirmed of like here's a date but it's been like look where as soon as you can come out come and do a big gay brunch and so yeah 2022 as soon as you know everyone's comfortable with you know the world being open again properly and we can get over there i will be on a big gay brunch before you know it because those shows are great aren't they yeah and also like it's just such a it's amazing to have to you know have the knowledge that there are there are plenty of like queer performers now and that's why i was excited about pride pro wrestling when that was supposed to happen in 2020 um but there's there's plenty of like queer performers in the uk and I mean, I think that is still going to happen. You know, the plan is that it will happen eventually next year. Um, it's just a shame that it didn't happen in 2020 because it would have been amazing. But hey, by 2022, hopefully there'll be even more um, queer performers that can be involved. And I mean, it's kind of crazy thinking back, like when I first started in 2015, there was no one. Well, maybe there wasn't, there was no one really, actually. I mean, like, yeah, Laura Di Matteo and Charlie Morgan and, uh, sex myth. Um, it certainly was wasn't it. enough to have two intent two shows either side of the Atlantic. No, celebrating it with a full roster. No, and I think that's kind of like again when I was looking back at coming back because you know there was a time in 2019 when when I was beating myself up a bit about you know how rest how I thought I should be wrestling, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I don't know if, know if I want to do this anymore. But then throughout the lockdown and doing a lot, got, being able to do loads of podcasts and and having people reach out to me on Twitter, being like, I got into wrestling because of seeing how accepting people have been of you of being a queer performer. Like, it kind of relit that kind of like, oh no, I want to do this because even if it's not just for myself anymore, it's for you know someone at a show that is a fan that wants to wrestle that's queer that didn't know that they could like to see me and then and go from there and I think that's been like the kind of beauty of you know 
of you know the pandemic kind of like it's looking at the good things that came from it of being able to reach out and talk to people and do more I don't know community side of wrestling than just the superstar again in quotations for people that are listening part of it you know like so I don't think I'll go anywhere now because just for that yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got one more match what is your third and final match uh, for your DVD this we've had Trish and Lita we've had Flair and Michaels what's your last one going to be Visage and you know again we genuinely I didn't plan this but have we set the landing have we done it we actually have done it my third match, and I don't think you, I don't know if you've probably got this before, because I don't think it's like a, I think, look, at, I think in a few years time, it'll become like an iconic moment. And I suppose it is an iconic moment now, but maybe when she goes into the Hall of Fame, it'll be an even more iconic moment, is uh, the SummerSlam match, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair versus uh, Carmella, um, when Becky became the man. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that, when, that's, that's a big moment then. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it is an iconic mm. moment, but I don't think it is at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it is, as in, like, she turned, she became, she turned, you know, heel. She wasn't really, what did she? But she that's when she, the, the first part of the man was born, I suppose. And also, like, me and, um, I was going to say a, a shoot name there. Me and Kanji have said this um, a few times where, like, that was the best match Carmella has ever wrestled. She was in good company that night, and yeah. and, she, and she's not. She's got. She's got so much better as years have gone on, and yeah. and there's. But she's been in there with some great opponents, and she's really held her own on those yeah. occasions as well. And it's been great to see her continue on. But I, I, I know the moment that you speak of that doesn't. Unfortunately, doesn't involve Carmella because it was after Carmella had lost the title. Yeah, Charlotte Flair had won it, and Becky Lynch uh, raises Charlotte's hand up and then just just slaps her daft. Yeah. And and the commentators act like it's the most despicable thing that's ever happened. The crowd are on their feet, roaring <laughs> their approval. And it's it's the greatest joy for me to watch how WWE are adamant that Charlotte Flair is the is the future greatest baby face they ever have. And they keep trying. And every time someone turns on her or attacks her, they become super good guy yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a result. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's kind of the same in like the aspect of like when they were really trying to push for Roman to be the top baby face yeah and the same for like Cena at during that when his like run was like it's when you push something down someone's throat so much they'll instantly like back off and then when you look at it like for Roman is that like for example when they've turned him heel oh my god it's so much better and the audience just want that the audience is like yeah sick love that so when they when Charlotte is a heel people are like yeah this is cool this is where we want it to be love this just don't give her another title please please <laughs> keep it away not because she doesn't deserve it i think the title means a lot when it's got around charlotte because she is such an incredible character incredible character and wrestler but sometimes it is kind of like can we just get to number 16 yeah get what it done also killed me, what has killed me recently it was the what with all of her title reigns with every title she was like at 15 so it took one, it was like one. And then now they're like, oh no, we're only going to count all of her raw title wins. So now she's actually back to 13. Oh God. <laughs> no. Count no. them all, please, dear oh, God. We were so close. 
we let's were get so these done and we can all move on with our lives i know we were so close to this ending like <laughs> like but i mean she is an incredible incredible wrestler and she's one of my favorites to watch so that's no thing on her i think it's just more like again a, a booking thing of being like we didn't need the rush if she got if she got to 16 i was gonna say naturally but again it's mm. not it's predetermined but like if it was just like a slower build of being like because rick flair wasn't 16 time world champion in like the space of six years no it took him decades to get yeah, there this is what i mean like so charlotte i was like i think it didn't help that period of time where it was like back and forth every two weeks between her and sasha like it kind of just got a bit lost in like thingy where you want the title to mean something so i just wish that they play this 16 time out longer but then again i suppose and again not disrespectful to him but they probably want to do it whilst rick's around yeah i get and that while he's still there I yeah and i get i do get that i just wish as a fan you would the 16 time because it was inevitable that she was going to get she's going to be 16 time i just wish it was played out over a longer period there wasn't so much destruction along the way yeah. <laughs> you know? again and i suppose business-wise and this is no, like, this isn't, I don't want this to come across wrong. I suppose how they look at it is if Charlotte, decides, Charlotte's career might be a lot shorter than her dad's because Charlotte might go, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this. I want to go and have a family. Yeah. And I want to just focus on that. So again, business-wise, they might think, okay, Rick's had like, what, decades, literal decades long. Charlotte might only have a decade. So let's try and get it all done. Let's get it done quickly. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's it's then they are adamant to get her into these positions and give her all these accolades and stuff. And yeah. it's part of me that goes, I don't know whether whether it's always to, for the greater good. Like for me, WrestleMania thirty six would have been, I think, a, a more intriguing. I mean, it was it was great to have Becky Lynch in the main event. I would I have preferred Becky and Ronda one on one in the main event. I think I probably would. Yeah, me too. That would have been the the superior one on one encounter you could have put on a poster. I feel like Charlotte Flair was shoehorned in and didn't need to be, and but it was what it was. It was still a great. It was still great to see that go down the way that it did. Regardless, I would have. Yeah. Um, but that but there we but we could, brings us back to our our final match, which is of course the the triple threat from that match itself. Like obviously, there's that iconic moment at the end. Uh, but is there anything within that match that you recall that you really enjoyed seeing? Like, yeah, I enjoyed that? the storytelling part at the very beginning where it was like, you could, they were like building the tension between Charlotte and Becky with like, but it was like Carmella being like the heel. It really put Carmella over as a heel of it being like when she like snapmares Becky and she like slaps around the heads, but then she sells down and then Becky turns around and it's Charlotte. So like mm. Becky's like, you just hit, like, you just slapped me. And Charlotte was like, no, it wasn't. It was like, it was Carmella. And it kind of plays like, it's like you're building that tension to again, pay it off towards at the very, very end of like Becky just snapping. But then you also put Carmella over as like this dastardly heel outsmarting like the two like veterans. Because even though they came to NXT together, Becky and Charlotte would be counted as the veterans in that match. Yeah, they were. Because yeah. Not so much for Charlotte's like, length in wrestling but how much she'd done in that time whereas like yeah. Becky obviously wrestled for so many years on the independence beforehand so like I don't know it was kind of cool to put Carmella over in that sense of being like I don't know like of a of a heel I was because she was she was so she was seen in that match as the underdog so yeah you had to make those situations where 
even though she was the underdog, she was there were little glimmers of hope, like maybe she could just eke this out, and maybe she could yeah. get away with and it. And also, she was the champion as well. Like, yeah. how many times does the the champion go into a match being the underdog? Like, it, it's very rare. And plus, she looked sick as well. I mean, she came out in that, <laughs> that Barbie gear with the blonde high pony, and like she did a suicide dive. I remember that as well. Mm. But I mean, Sticks always told me this from the very beginning. Again, going back to like you know the questions that we had before. Sticks always used to say, and it was like an off thing, offbeat one. Um, he always said, and it's rain true. Like a champ, you'll notice it. A champion's best performance is always the match that they lose the title on. Ah, interesting. You'll never, and it will. And when you go back and watch it, you are like, yeah, it, it's true. Like the, because at that point they need to, you know, especially if they've held about for a little while, you can kind of forget why they, why, why they are the, the champion. But like. When they know, like, this is it. This is like the last time I'm holding this belt. This is like the last time I need to prove to. So I need to prove to the audience that like there's a reason why I was the top. I held the title, and why it because it also makes the title mean something. Yeah. What's the point of like beating someone that's rubbish? Like it's you're not. Then the title means nothing. You just beat. Yeah. Okay. You beat them. Like cool. But if the last match that you have as the as the champion, you want it make it look like I. This is a hard fight for them to win this belt. Mm. And I think that genuinely made that was the that the story in that match. Like Carmella did it. Like she was like, okay, I'm gonna try my I'm gonna do the best work that I've done because you need to make it because again, it was one of those matches. Carmella wasn't gonna win. You knew it. Like it she's kind of run a course with the belt and like you knew it was gonna change, but like and also like you said with the underdog thing, I think you, I think people went in thinking like, oh God, it's going to be Becky and Charlotte wrestling and Carmella's going to be like, take something, just in the, on the periphery, just, yeah. just not really doing a whole lot. Yeah. And I think that's how I thought when me and, uh, when Kanji watched it, I think we were just like, oh, this is going to be a single match with like a, a lot of Carmella, shin, like whatever. She's going to be involved, but not really. But then she wasn't. She thought it was like a, a proper, like, good triple threat with a good story. And, like, obviously then she got overshadowed a little bit by the the finish. But, I mean, hmm. great match. But it was a finish and, that, that found, that led to somebody finding their authenticity, which I think yeah, is... Exactly. Uh, have been a big talking point in, in, in the last hour and a half we've spent together, which yeah, is... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Once you, once you find that authentic part of you, then it's it's undeniable. Yeah. Where people go with it. Um, it's this I is... gone. I was gonna say, no, I think that's even more so now, like with Becky's return, and you know, like I mean, I suppose the the match at SummerSlam with 30 seconds, and it wasn't really like I mean that again, that completely goes against what I just said about the last champ last match of a cha champion. But like I suppose at this point it's probably more like I don't think Becky's probably like fully ready at the moment. She's probably just taken a couple more months to like, you know get back and it was obviously Sasha got pulled out of it they needed CM Punk had came back the night before yeah bring back the it, all, it all felt like it was something that wasn't meant to happen for quite a while yet and they've yeah. had to sort of shotgun it and this was the, the best way round I think that's but it, it bleeds through to it lends through to what you said about how like that last match should be like going down swinging apart which is why it doesn't sit so well that Bianca Belair lost in such a a job-like fashion within 20 odd yeah. seconds. And that's one of the reasons why it didn't sit so well, but if it ends up coming back and we end up getting a, a compelling story between the two, then 
then happy days if we can find yeah. that if we can find that again to go with Bianca as well I think that's why like I think she's got that authenticity and that's why I think she's such a superstar because mm. you are just like and like you know the little the documentary that they had on her the 24 or whatever it was I, I can't remember 360 whatever date whatever documentary that they had with her yeah. um it just shows that that's a good way of just building because she does feel like she is just I mean, she wasn't a wrestling fan. She said that, but then she found a passion for it. And, you know, her like main event in Maine with Sasha is incredible. And I think that's why people like her. And I think this is why this story, it feels a bit like, oh, I wish that's not how, I wish how, that's how it wasn't started. I wish like Becky versus Bianca wasn't started on a 30 second squash because mm. I feel, and I feel like they have been doing it like, they have been they've been building this story now and I feel like there is some build for it to be at extreme rules but I'm just like oh I just wish it it was more like you know Becky came back when she was like fully ready to come back and Bianca had had the title for a bit longer and really solidified her her reign as a champion like because I, I do still think Bianca would be the champion if it wasn't for having to bring Becky back you know yeah because like, they just like Rhea had just lost her belt um, and she won it on the same night as Bianca. So I think they'd obviously had plans for Bianca to be like champion for a lot longer. But hey, hey, I mean, it doesn't take anything away from, from Bianca anyway. She's incredible and I think people can love her. So, And like you say, like it was something she found wrestling late, but she owned it and 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 she's very true to who she is. And even though she's got that sort of what would many would class as like a heel swagger about her, it's still very much who she is. She's very real. And exactly. It's hard to deny that. It's hard to I remember deny like that. watching her to get I mean I'm much um she, it- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was NXT and it was like very a um, couple of years ago now so like you know she was still quite new to the scene but when she came out she literally was like there was something about her like it's literally there's like something tangible about her like when she came out you were like oh my god this girl she's she's so good like I don't know everything that she did in this match I think it was like a put over match she was against Diamante well, that, I think that's her name now in AEW. Can't remember what her name was on the seat. Like, yeah, I, it, yeah, I forgot what she was there, but she's she went on to become Diamante. Yeah, yeah, but like, um, yeah. Oh my god, I think there was just this one bit where like Diamante like slaps Bianca, and like then she just goes ham on her, 
and you were like, <laughs> oh my God, so good. Like there was just something about her. And now I can't imagine like going to see, like seeing Bianca now. Well, now she's had all this experience and, you know, on the main roster, but yeah. And if, Again, people, if people want to come and see you doing what you do, Visage, how can they keep up with, with where you're going to be next? Where can they find you online? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Massage Wrestler. Um, Instagram is mainly just looks, <laughs> just my face. Uh, Twitter is Twitter's more like promotional for like shows um, coming up. But like this year, like coming back into wrestling, me and Candy have spoke. I've said like I'm probably going to pick like five or six companies to wrestle for, and that's it. Like before pandemic and before everything else, I was so obsessed with like wrestling everywhere and getting my name out there through like wrestling on every single show no matter what kind of like level it was um but again that's not one great for your mental health when you're like sleeping no hours to get up and because people don't also realize like this like I can't just go to a show as I am now like out of like I, I then get ready and to put a match together and then to go out like I have to I get up I get ready for a show. I get re- like, as in like, I put a face on at home, then drive to a show. So then all my focus is at a sh- like, I don't, I just have to focus about wrestling when I'm at a show then, instead of having to worry about, oh, I've got, I need to do an hour and a half to get ready to my, to just get ready. You're like, on all day, aren't you? Yeah. So like to do that, like four days, three days, four or five days, whatever it is, like four or three days a week, depending on show layout to drive up and down the country for no sleep and then to work shoot like a real job it was just so much stress so I said like me and Kanji had this big talk I was like now I'm going to pick five companies that one appreciate me I appreciate I love the audiences there the talent are incredible talents that I know I'm going to be safe with and I know I'm going to be like you know we're going to be having some creative fun uh and just to enjoy it you know because I think that's the most important part so like I think most people are going to find me in the future at North, um, TNT, hopefully Future Shop because I've been training there more recently. Um, House of Pain, because I don't think I'll ever not do House of Pain just for the solid fact that it's like my home, really. Um, and then, you know, hopefully one day, like hopefully Progress and ICW and, you know, the, the quotations, again, the bigger companies, you know, that have like the platform of the network. But, you know, that's the that's probably where you'll find me i don't think you'll find me at some working men's club in stoke um again mainly because last time i was there it wasn't the nicest experience <laughs> oh god dare I, I dare i ask what happened at the working men's club in stoke i just think stoke is probably and this is no disrespect for anyone from stoke don't hate me and don't pitchfork but stoke's the only place i've ever wrestled where i've genuinely felt like oh i need to leave like mm. i need to get in my car as soon as my match is over and just go like it wasn't the uh the most friendly um but i think i i just i think my wrestling is all up north and i'm happy about that the north are very like i don't know there's a special place in my heart for the north like everyone's everyone just seems really welcoming everyone's a bit like everyone's just i don't know it's not it doesn't feel as serious up north where like no one's trying to impress anyone no one's trying like everyone's just who they are everyone says hello to everyone in the street <laughs> when you go down south and say hello to someone they look at you like you're about to like murder their kids like <laughs> it's true because i'm like i'm i'm originally from the west midlands and i moved up 
to to the northeast of England, and I can't imagine being anywhere else now. And 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 no. you're fed when you live in the south. You're fed like, oh, it's grim up north. It's quite the opposite. Like, I love it. Amazing. It's so Absolutely. much more chill. It's almost like they the south say that to stop you going to the north. Yeah, it is. It is very Game of Thrones. Very Game of Thrones. It is very Game of Thrones. And we Uh, all know how that turns out. The North will win. (laughs) The North shall rise again. But um, the the final question for you, I always like to end on a question like this. So let's go back in time. And Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, a a, a pre-visage is playing uh, the wrestling video game, discovering that wrestling's actually a thing outside of a video game. And you can go back in time and you can say one thing to yourself. Uh, at this young and tender age, what would advice would you like to partake to your younger self if you could? I would say to young Versage, I would say um, be prepared for a, a lot of confusing years. Um, but once you realize that being, again, authentically yourself is the the key to the success that you're going to have, um, then you'll be a lot happier. So I think that's the embarking wisdom. And that's for everything that I did. Like, I think if I was just more authentically happy and just was more like, okay, this is who I am, deal with it. I didn't care what people thought. I think I would have found success maybe in different things a lot earlier as well. Um, and I think I'd still wrestle. I think I I'd, I'd still would have found my way into this. And I'm so happy that I did because I've got like, I've met some of the best people and I've got like the best, best friends I've ever had. Like incredible. But um, yeah, I think just that it's just fine. Just be authentic to yourself and you'll enjoy things a lot more. And Michelle Pfeiffer is the best Catwoman. And Michelle Pfeiffer is the best Catwoman. Hear her roar. Meow. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.